Hello everyone, welcome back to day three, going through Pastor Ted Alexander's videos on pre-tribulationism. And again, just a reminder for um, those in the IFB world who are ultra sensitive to stuff like this, please do not be ultra sensitive. This is not an attack. Um, this is, these videos were put out in public, uh, meant to influence and uh, a public critique should be welcome. And uh, I believe this has been very honest and very, um, uh, you know, I've accurately represented him. Uh, we have just, there's some things we have disagreed on, uh, but then there's some things oh, I have definitely proven where he was wrong, misrepresented, made straw men, said things were just factually wrong. And there were, while there have been, there's, there's many areas too of things that have been mentioned where I've not really said much because some things are a matter of disagreement and uh, are open to maybe some interpretation. So I'm I'm mainly focusing on things where here's clear error for sure. And so again, he has been invited on the program. He is still invited uh, to come on the program at any point after these are all done and he can have the last word. That is how I roll. I'm not afraid to do that. Um, I am just, I am not impressed with Baptists and their boldness behind pulpits and just fear of speaking boldly anywhere else, uh, whether it be pri even privately on a phone. And um, I'm finding that it seems like fundamental Baptists are the main ones who will not uh, talk to others, defend their position. They just like to cut and run. And I think that's awful. And so um, I, I have practiced, you know, this process of letting people know ahead of time what I'm planning on doing, giving them every, any opportunity to clarify, explain themselves, have the last word. Uh, I, I'm so confident in what I believe that I am for giving people whatever advantage they feel they need, because I still think, uh, I'm going to win this conversation because at the end of the day, I believe we're right. So the remainder of these videos. Okay. And I being completely honest, when I say this, I have not watched them yet. This is going to be my actual reaction to these things. The previous videos I had seen, I had an idea of what I, you know, I knew what I was going to say, but with the rest, I have not seen these. I don't know where he's going with them. Um, and so, uh, but here's, let me make a prediction. Okay. I, I might be dead wrong and I hope I'm dead wrong on this, but typically in the pre-trib world, as time goes on, they typically, it's like they know they are not, you know, coming across. They know this isn't registering. And, and so they typically get frustrated and that's when they get even crazier. Typically they get a little more hostile. Often when you are failing to articulate what you believe and you're failing to, or to, if you're failing to debunk what the other person believes, what often what people do in their frustration is they get very hostile, start saying extreme things and they use intimidation because they're not winning you over just with scripture, with actual proof. So they use intimidation. That's typically when the name calling gets started, the ad hominem. These are all signs that they know they're losing the argument. Of course, he's on all these videos. Nobody's responding to him, uh, you know, as he's making them. So if this frustration's happening, it's within his own mind. Okay. I don't know that he's going to do that so far. He has not done that at all. That's just typically what happens as time goes on 
uh, when it comes to subjects where you are in error. And, and then also just the most far-fetched outlandish things. People usually will keep it pretty balanced at first, but it's kind of like when you tell a lie, a lot of times you have to tell another lie to cover for the original lie. And so when you make an error, okay, you can either repent of that error and admit it, which takes some humility, or you can continue to compile that error by trying to, um, you know, justify that, which is only going to make you create even more errors. So that's kind of where I predict this is going to go, but I, I hope I'm wrong. He might actually have just some other arguments related and he might stay focused on point, might not need to get hostile or ugly or anything like that. But honestly, nobody's told me about these videos. I have not watched these videos yet. This will be my reaction. There's still five left. So we're going to have two or three more episodes on this. So uh, it might not be until later before it happens. So any, anyway, let's go ahead and start watching video number six on pre-tribulationism. Hello, this is Ted Alexander, and we're back again with another video. And uh, we're dealing with the pre-tribulation, pre-millennial rapture of all the saved uh, of the times of the Gentiles or the church age. And what we're doing is uh, trying to reinforce now uh, this truth that we have clearly uh, demonstrated so far to this point in several videos. Um, Stephen Anderson and many others today are trying to push the idea that the church will either go through part of or all of the tribulation period. And uh, it essentially, uh, they call it a pre-wrath rapture, uh, the mid-trib position. And then the post-trib really uh, it, it does away with the rapture completely, and, and uh, many of them try to enmesh together the second advent <clears throat> and the rapture uh, by saying that every passage you see in the scripture that talks about the coming of the Lord is just a reference to the second advent. We've clearly demonstrated to this point that there are two sets of scriptures, and we've been focused on that set of scriptures that deals with not Christ coming with the saints, that will be later, but we've been dealing with essentially uh, the scriptures that deal with Christ coming for the saints of God. And All right, so that has not been clearly demonstrated whatsoever. And again, nobody's teaching we're gathered to Armageddon. Uh, he also has not displayed how Matthew 24 is about Armageddon. It, that has not been done. That has been claimed. It has been said with great conviction that that is the case, but it has not been displayed. So he said he's clearly displayed this. Now here's here's a question for you pre-trivers out there. Has he clearly displayed that? I, you know, I I think you have to admit I have shown many many mistakes. Has he clearly displayed that? I would be interested in seeing if if any pre-tribulationists would say, "No, man, brother Alexander, he's on point. He's been on point through these whole things." Uh, yeah, he might have got some stuff wrong about the poster, but he's been right about what he's saying about the pre-tribulation rapture. I don't, I don't know if any would. It's not been clearly displayed. So it's a matter of opinion, but I think I've illustrated how that's not the case. I wonder, do pre-tribbers agree with what he said right there? 1 Thessalonians 5, and I hope you'll grab a Bible as we ask you to do each time. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we just uh, talked about, and we're going to be going back to that later. But I want to move on to chapter 5 because he continues dealing with the rapture. We've demonstrated that uh, chapter 4 is indeed a rapture. And uh, so now we're going to be dealing with chapter 5. And I'm going to begin here reading in verse 1 where the Bible says, But the of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Now let's talk about who he's writing to. He writes unto them, okay? 
This is the Thessalonians, okay? These are saved people, obviously. Uh, this was to be circulated in this particular church that would receive this letter and all the churches in this region and beyond. <clears throat> so this is clearly written in the New Testament churches, okay? Um, so he goes on. So that's the, that's the audience. He says, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. <clears throat> How do you ascertain what the day of the Lord means? What is Christ talking about? Is he talking about the rapture? Is he talking about the second advent? Is there such a thing as the rapture? We've proven conclusively in scripture that there is a rapture. And uh, so we're going to say that in this passage of scripture, based on context in the audience, and uh, we have to use those rules of biblical interpretation, he's clearly talking to New Testament saints, okay? And uh, so this would be clearly talking about the rapture, which is the next event on God's prophetic calendar. Notice what he says. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. That travail upon a woman with child clearly describes the seven-year tribulation period. Uh, we're moving on now to verse number four. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness. That's currently that that day should overtake you as a thief. So he says there's a day coming, some will be overtaken, and when they're overtaken, it'll be just like travail upon a woman with child. Great pain, okay? <clears throat> That's God's wrath upon Israel. That's God's wrath upon all the Gentiles who are not saved by the grace of God and are left behind for that tribulation period as well, okay? So some will be overtaken, but those in this church age that are saved by the grace of God will not be overtaken because they're not in darkness, according to verse number four. Verse number five says, you're all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night <clears throat> nor of darkness. Okay, so again, he reiterates, people who are saved by the grace of God have been enlightened by Christ and we're not of the night and we're not of that darkness. So that day is not going to overtake us. <clears throat> he just gives us a few uh, descript, uh, descriptions uh, here of what he's talking about in the previous verses. And these are not as pertinent to the passage, but he does say, let us, uh, therefore, let us not sleep as others, uh, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. And of course, that's important. Verse number seven, for they that sleep in the night, uh, they that sleep, sleep in the night, rather, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. And so uh, we understand that Christ is coming for us at the rapture. So we need to live holy lives. That's what verses six and seven is dealing with. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now you say, well, <clears throat> how do you know this is not talking about the second advent? It does say the day of the Lord. The next verse gives yet another promise where it says, now watch carefully, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's verse nine of 1 Thessalonians chapter five. So God has not appointed us, that's the saved people, the children of the light, those who have been enlightened by Christ. We do not have an appointment <clears throat> with wrath. Now, my children, uh, we've had three uh, of them. Uh, we have actually have four of them total in braces. Uh, a couple of them are already out of braces. My wife got braces in her older years. And uh, so we've been dealing with a lot of appointments. And you know, I never walk into that dental office in Northern Indiana and it's a Christian man that does our, our braces for us. I never walk in there and sit down in the chair and plop down and say, well, go ahead, doc. Uh, go ahead and you know, let her rip. Say, why don't you do that? Because that's not my appointment. 
The appointment is for those who are appointed. The Bible says God hath not appointed us, so we don't have this appointment with wrath. Somebody else has an appointment with wrath. And who is that? That's natural Israel. The wrath of God, that tribulation, is going to be poured out upon natural Israel. <clears throat> now, you say, why don't we have an appointment with wrath? Well, we don't have an appointment with wrath because those that are of the light. All right, let me just stop for a minute. So I agree with him. He, in fact, in 1 Thessalonians 2, talking specifically about Israel, he says, the wrath has come on them to the uttermost. Without a doubt, Christians are not appointed to wrath. Nobody denies that. Okay, so here's the question. If he is referring, he, he referred to Anderson again, and he's referred to post-trib, pre-wrath, he's supposedly debunking all of that. Why is he spending all this time teaching something that we all agree with, that we're not appointed to wrath, as if that proves a pre-tribulation rapture? Why is it that so many pre-tribbers, cannot keep the focus where the disagreement is at. We all agree Jesus is coming back. We all agree that we are going to be taken up before the wrath is poured out. Here's where we disagree. What is God's wrath? Is the tribulation the wrath of God? Are the seals the wrath of God? These are our areas of disagreement. And so the thing is, it would be, it's wrong for either side to accuse the other side of saying they believe we're going through God's wrath. Okay. Now you can, so we, if, if they want to accuse us of denying certain things are God's wrath, that they believe are God's wrath and they could do that, but they, he will not win over one individual with this argument. And yet so many pre-trivers when trying to debunk the pre-wrath position We'll spend all this time talking about things that we all agree in. I, again, I question whether or not he is that familiar with the pre-wrath position. I, I know others who clearly understand the difference. And I have listened to them give their proofs, if you want to call it that, that the, all of the tribulation is God's wrath. And while I completely disagree with them, I'm at least, I can at least appreciate the fact that, Hey, these people are trying to, or they recognize the fact that we don't believe the tribulation is God's wrath, that we believe that the trumpets and vials are God's wrath. So at least they're accurately representing our position, but then here's where we're disagreeing. So right now he it looks like he's going to spend all his time talking about something that we all agree on and ignoring what he needs to actually discuss in order to prove the pre-wrath position wrong. So I don't know, let, let's, let's see if he gets to it, but um, I can't imagine making 10 videos debunking a position I wasn't even familiar with and not even addressing their actual beliefs properly. That is completely unprofitable. So uh, I don't I don't care what you say. So you might think he's on point what he's saying about the pre-trib rapture, but you also have to admit that he's wrong in what he's saying about the pre-wrath rapture of the day, those that are saved by the grace of God. There's an amazing event that took place already in time and space, and uh, God dealt with the wrath that he had towards the, the, uh, all mankind uh, in reference to you and I. See, when we that are saved by the grace of God accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, then what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, bearing our sin and shame and reproach, 
and literally enduring the wrath of God in his own body on the tree, Jesus Christ has already taken all the wrath of the Father in my place. <clears throat> I don't have the wrath of God abiding upon me anymore. John 3.36, the wrath of God abideth on the lost. It's not on me anymore because I'm saved by the grace of God. And so I do not have an appointment with this seven-year tribulation period or the wrath of God. What is my appointment? Here's what it says. If you're saved, child of God, here's your appointment. But to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we know... So he just told us that the wrath of God is the seven-year tribulation. Again, that's not been displayed. Absolutely, that has not been displayed. But does he not think that we believe that Jesus Christ took God's wrath for us on the cross? We absolutely believe that. I've never met a post-tribber that did not believe that and emphatically preach that. So I, I, I don't understand this. Pre-tribbers, why are you all so content to make videos supposedly debunking in a position while completely misrepresenting that position? Doesn't that make you feel dishonest? Isn't that not satisfying? Do you actually think you're going to change someone's mind by completely strawmanning them and misrepresenting their position? Again, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I really wish you'd come on the program. So I got to ask him about that. And I, I would just, but Alexander, if you watch this, I'd just like to ask you the question. You know, do you understand that the pre-wrath position, you know, they agree, they believe that we are not here for God's wrath? You know, so shouldn't we keep the focus on what actually is God's wrath? Shouldn't you spend some time displaying how the, Devil, the Antichrist making war with the saints is God's wrath. How martyrs, people being martyred is God's wrath. Uh, that sounds more like Satan's wrath. Okay. Uh, these are the things we need to talk about. You know, shouldn't you spend some time displaying how the seals are God's wrath? Because you're referring to the day of the Lord here. And there's a very clear scripture that says the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord comes. So the sixth seal comes before the day of the Lord. And in Revelation 6, after the sun is darkened and moon is turned to blood, what does it say? They cried to the mountains and rocks, fallen us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? That's when we believe we're going out. So you need to display how all of that before was the wrath of God. And I just, I don't believe you can do that, but can we at least just acknowledge there, there's a disagreement there? I, I don't understand what's going on here. This, this seems to be a waste of time. According to John 3.36, uh, he that believeth on the Son hath life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. That word hath means literally is currently in possession of. So we possess salvation. But our appointment is to wit the redemption of our bodies. It is the completion of our salvation. It's the glorification of our bodies at the rapture. It's when we are resurrected, <clears throat> those who are in the grave, those of us that are here, and we're given glorified bodies up in heaven. That is the salvation we'll obtain, according to verse number nine, and it's by our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so there's clearly a group that has an appointment with wrath. And there's clearly a group that has an appointment with the redemption of their bodies, a resurrection, and uh, of course, to obtain salvation. That's the completion of our salvation. So there's promises in this passage. We are not in the night. That day is not going to overtake us, that rapture. And when that seven-year tribulation begins, that's not going to overtake us because we're going to be out of here. We do not have an appointment with wrath because those that are saved by the grace of God, our wrath from God was dealt with by Jesus Christ. I want to ask you a question. Why would God send you and I through a horrible tribulation period, literally like hell on planet earth? Jesus said it so severe, the severity of it and judgment was never seen before nor ever shall be. Why would God say, Jesus took your wrath on the cross. He bore his own body on the tree, but now you still have to go through some wrath. It doesn't. So make- wait, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. When has tribulation, persecution, affliction been considered the wrath of God? Okay. Were the, were the apostles who were martyred under the wrath of God? Were the early Christians under the wrath of God? Were the Christians who suffered during the Inquisition under the wrath of God? And so if in the future, Christians go through a time of persecution worse than ever, how would that be the wrath of God? Okay, the wars, famines, pestilences, you know, all these things, these are not supernatural events. They are things that have been happening throughout human history. It's just there is a time coming where it will be worse. All of the supernatural things, we start seeing that take place during the trumpets and the vials. There's nothing supernatural that we see until the sun darkened and moon turned to blood in the book of Revelation. So uh, believing in a, a future time that is worse than any other time, and, when I, and it, especially considering the fact that it's worse than what we have been going through for the last 2,000 years. Okay? Paul said, we were appointed tribulations and they came to pass. Okay, they went through tribulations. So just because we believe that a time is going to come where the attacks of the devil and from the world are going to be worse than ever, how is that the wrath of God? That in no way is the wrath of God. Okay, the supernatural events in Revelation, absolutely, those are the those are the wrath of God. I'm with you there. We're not appointed to those things. Jesus took our wrath for us. But you know, here's the thing too about persecutions, tribulations, afflictions. The Bible also promises great rewards for those. Now, do we think that God, when he rewards us, that we're going to be like, oh, really? That's it? Have you ever done a job for somebody and, you know, they said they were going to pay you, compensate you, and then they paid you, compensated you, and it wasn't as much as you thought. You were kind of disappointed. It's like, well, that wasn't worth it. Do we think that's going to happen? If we go, do we think the martyrs of the past, when they stand before God and they receive their rewards, they're going to be like, oh, man, that wasn't worth it. I wish I'd bowed the knee to Baal. No, of course. he. I mean, they're going to receive a hundredfold in that kingdom. And if we go through the worst time okay, of, of human history, if we go through the worst persecution, we will be rewarded. And I promise you, none of us are going to be like, oh, that wasn't worth it. Oh, no, it'll be worth it, my friend. You better believe it will be worth it. So, of course, God has always allowed his people to go through persecution. Look what he had Job go through. Look at what all the people in Hebrews went through and they did it. They might obtain a better resurrection. What on earth are we doing 
making Christians think they're not going to go through again, tribulations. But again, these people have conflated tribulation and God's wrath, and they're not the same thing. Absolutely, they are not the same thing. Persecution by the Antichrist, that is not God's wrath. That is, that, that is affliction, that's tribulation, that's persecution. Okay, Yeah, fire and brimstone, that's God's wrath, but we're out of here before that happens. And if you actually looked into the post-trib pre-wrath position, you would understand that we haven't done that. So you've spent this entire video basically talking about all stuff we agree with and ignoring where we disagree, and that is on what is tribulation and what is the wrath of God. And you need to explain how all these things like persecution, affliction, tribulations that just happen to be worse, you know, are now all of a sudden the wrath of God when they've never been the wrath of God in the past. That's what you need to display. That's what you've got to show us. And nobody does that. There's so many things that pre-tribbers have to ignore from our side. And so again, I don't know if, if this is willfully misrepresenting or if this is just um, an unwillful ignorance and an inability to hear what the other side is saying, or maybe he's just going off what people are telling him about the pre-wrath position. I don't know, but um, this, this video is accomplishing nothing. There's not, not there's only a little more left that's going to listen to the rest. Any sense whatsoever. Now, there's a question that some may have. Brother Alexander, how can you prove that all of the tribulation is wrath? Because the argument of the mid-tribbers is this, or the pre-wrath. Here we go. All right. So he's heard something. He's about to address the question I keep asking. I can't wait to hear this because this, this is a good question. Well, the first half of the tribulation is not the wrath of God. Or most of the tribulation is not the wrath of God. So I agree we don't have an appointment with wrath. But you see, we'll live into the tribulation, they say, and we'll have to go through a lot of judgments that simply are not the wrath of God. We're going to prove, and I want you to mark my words on this, you have a video coming where we will conclusively prove that the beginning of the tribulation period and the beginning of the seven years, in fact, all seven years of the tribulation are clearly referred to as the wrath of God. Therefore, if we do not have an appointment with wrath, then we do not have an appointment with any of the tribulation period. Not one year, not three and a half years, not six years. We don't have an appointment at all with the wrath of God. Say, well, when's that video coming? It's coming very soon. And we are going to show you clearly that the tribulation period is all called the wrath of God. And this verse, verse number nine says, for God hath not appointed us to wrath. If you're saved, you're a child of the light and you're not in the night, that day's not gonna overtake you. You're not going to have to worry about the tribulation period because our appointment with wrath was settled on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago by a wonderful Savior. And that Savior's coming back for us, and he's coming back at the rapture. I hope that you're saved. I hope that you're prepared. By the way, I hope that you're in a good scriptural church. You've been baptized, and you're walking with God because that's all going to make a difference. And uh, so not in reference to whether you're raptured or not, but certainly in reference to other things in heaven, which we'll, we'll try to deal with a little bit later. I hope you'll come back and we will follow up on this because we're going to show you all of the tribulation is wrath. So if somebody says, well, I'm pre-wrath, 
I am too. That means I believe we're going up prior to all seven years because all seven years of the tribulation is the wrath of God. I'm going to prove that. Just stay tuned. Okay, I'm excited now. I mean, I've read through the Bible so many times. I've not seen this. Now, I'm going to guess. All right, I'm going to guess what his proof is because again, uh, he seems to be reading from a pre-tribulational catechism. I am very familiar with the pre-tribulational catechism. So let me just go ahead and take a minute to speculate and guess what he might use as proof that all seven years are the wrath of God. And it's probably going to be with the fact that the lamb, that Jesus Christ is the one breaking the seals because you will often hear terms like the seven seal judgments, the seven trumpet judgments, the seven vile judgments. And so therefore, since Jesus is breaking the seal, that's him bringing judgment on the world. But hang on a second. Is that the case? All right. And maybe I shouldn't spend time on this because he might not even go there. He might go somewhere else. But here's, here's what you need to understand. A book is handed to him. Okay. People want the book opened. He, as he's breaking these seals off, what is he's doing is he is revealing things that will be hereafter to John. This is not Jesus pouring out his wrath in the world. This is Jesus revealing things to John, showing him things that are going to uh, come to pass. These things are not anywhere in the book of Revelation stated as the wrath of God. Now, here's an interesting thing. In Revelation chapter 14, in verse 10, or in, uh, we'll start reading verse 9, it says, And the third angel followed him, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark on his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. So notice the wrath of God is something that's poured out without mixture. And what is that? How does he do that? Uh, it's called the vials of God's wrath for in them are filled up the wrath of God. Okay. What I believe we're seeing in revelation is the seals are being broken. Heaven wants the seals to be broken. Why? Because they are ready. They want God's wrath to come on the world. They want justice to be done. And so after God breaks that seventh seal, the book is open. And then the wrath of God begins being revealed through seven trumpets. Okay. Now, so the seals are revealing things that precede the wrath of God. The seven trumpets are revealing the wrath of God. When we get to the seven vials of God's wrath, we, you'll see each of the trumpets, the first trumpet and first vial, second trumpet, second vial, and so on. They are on the same things. So understand the trumpets are the, the seals, the breaking of the seals. It's a telling of a story, the blowing of the trumpets. It is, it's a revealing of more of the story about the wrath of God. When we get to the seven vials, we are actually observing from heaven, God pouring out his wrath on the world. And I believe it's another telling of the seven trumpets is what we're seeing. So understand the breaking of the seals is not proof of God's wrath. That is revealing the things that come before his wrath. The wrath does not come until the book is open. And that is why heaven wanted that book to be open 
so God could deal with the sin this world, pour out that wrath. That's what I believe we're seeing. And so I, I hope he's got something better for us than who look who's breaking the seals. Okay. I really hope he's not using that tired old argument that has absolutely no merit whatsoever. I hope he's not just reciting the pre-tribulational catechisms that everybody else is reciting that have been so thoroughly debunked so many times. They're so bad. I hope, I hope we get something new here. So I'm anxious to see it. Let's go right into the next video and see where all seven years of the tribulation is God's wrath. Hello, this is Ted Alexander, and we're here with video number eight. And I need to preface this video, <clears throat> excuse me, by uh, letting you know that if you have not watched video seven, you will want to do that because video seven, eight, possibly nine and ten will all be in succession. And we'll have to break them down because this study is a multi-tiered study. And we're still on the subject of why uh, we believe the Bible teaches a pre-tribulational, pre-millennial rapture of all the saved of the church age. And we finished uh, in video seven in First Thessalonians chapter five. I hope you'll grab All right, he's been saying video seven. This is video seven. I think he's just getting that mixed up. So um, I just looked again. I don't think we've got the videos mixed up. This says video number seven. So I think he's just misspeaking right there. Bible, I have mine here. And uh, in, in that uh, video, video number seven, we ended with verse number nine of 1 Thessalonians chapter number five, where the Bible says that God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, <clears throat> we understand that that is the wrath of hell, but it is also uh, the wrath that God pours out in the tribulation period. You say, well, how do you know it's referring to that wrath? Well, the Bible says that that is wrath. And the context of what we just read here, or went over in uh, video number seven, was the idea of the rapture in chapter four of 1 Thessalonians. And so clearly, uh, this is dealing with what takes place uh, when that coming of the Lord at the rapture takes place, uh, according to the context. So we know this is dealing with the wrath of the tribulation period. Now, the argument of the mid-tribbers, or the pre-rathers, as they, uh, they call it, the pre-wrath rapture, the idea is that they're trying to prove that there's no wrath in the first half of the tribulation period. And what I'd like to do is I would like to show you that there is wrath in the first half of the tribulation period. Although Israel does experience a degree of peace, the wrath of God references all seven years of the tribulation period. So then indeed, to be pre-wrath, you would have to believe that we were leaving before all seven years of the tribulation period. For all seven years are the wrath of God, not just the second half, as the uh, pre-wrath or mid-trib guys like to say. Now, I'm going to show you that, but it's going to take several videos to develop this. So please, uh, you may want to write these scriptures down so you don't forget where we've been. So we're starting in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. <clears throat> and I'd like you to quickly go to Revelation and Revelation chapter number 6. And in Revelation chapter number 6, what we have here is the beginning of the judgments being poured out in the tribulation period. And what you have here, of course, is uh, it begins with the first four horses of, uh, of the uh, apocalypse, and then you have two more judgments by the end of chapter number six. Now, again, the argument of the uh, pre-wrathers is that, well, yeah, this is the beginning of the, the judgments being poured out in the tribulation, but this is not in the first half of the tribulation period. And I would like to submit to you that there are 14 judgments poured out in the first half of the tribulation 
and seven judgments poured out in the second half of the tribulation period. We do understand that they increase in their severity and they enfold one into another, uh, one set of seven into another set of seven. But I would submit to you that there clearly is judgment and wrath in the first half of the tribulation. So the whole pre-wrath rapture uh, concept is it's predicated upon a lie. And uh, I'm going to show you. So it looks like he's going straight to the catechism. Boy, that's disappointing. He's not, he, he might have more, but let me just prove, all right? Again, I, I've already used the words of God, the words of Paul, where he said he's coming with his saints. That's still not going to be enough for some of you pre-trivers out there. But what if I showed you in Re Revelation 6 that these are not judgments? Can I show, can I show you that? Because that's what everybody calls them. In our pre-trib catechisms, we call them the seven sealed judgments, the seven trumpet judgments, seven vile judgments. That's what we call them in our, our catechisms. But can I show you something? Uh, let's look at Revelation 6 and verse 10 when we're at the fifth seal. And, it, and they cried, the souls, this is the martyrs under the throne, and they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, Dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? So, uh, why didn't Jesus say, what do you think I've been doing for the last four seals? Uh, no, they're saying, how long dost thou not judge? You know why? Because he hasn't started judging the world yet. You say, but what about these wars, famous pestles? These things have been happening throughout history. There's been, we've had the bubonic plague. We've had world wars. We've had inquisitions. We've had all these things. This has been a part of life on this planet since the fall of man. These are not the judgments of God. And in heaven, you have the martyrs, their souls. They're crying out saying, how long dost thou not judge? You know why? Because Jesus hasn't started judging yet. What's going on? He's breaking the seals. He's revealing things. He's showing John things that must come to pass before that book that everyone's one once open is open. And then the wrath begins to come. So I literally just showed you a verse that showed judgment has not come at the fifth seal. Judgment has not come, but bad things are happening on earth, but it's not the judgment of God. It is not his wrath. It has not come yet. Who is using scripture and who is using catechisms? There's, there's no question about that. These things I'm saying are irrefutable. This is why you can't get pre-trippers to come on the show because they, they cannot, it cannot handle scrutiny. They can't, they can't handle it. So what we have here now is revelation six, revelation one, remember introduction, revelation two and three letters of the churches, revelation four, uh, John's rapture, our rapture, revelation chapter five, heaven and earth is search for one who can loose the seals, revelation six, this is the beginning of the judgments. But the question is, how do we know that this is the beginning of the seven years that these judgments are poured out? And how do we know this is actually, right? he keeps, he keeps saying judgments. He keeps saying judgments, even though a passage in there says, how long dost thou not judge? You know what I, you know how I interpret that it means Jesus isn't judging yet, but he keeps calling him judgments. Why? Because every pre-trib book will say the same thing, but your Bible does not. 
the wrath of God that we do not have an appointment with. Well, we're going to try to show you that. <clears throat> and in so doing, we need to now turn very quickly to Matthew chapter number 24. And I'm hoping my videographer here will let me know when we're around 10 minutes so that we can uh, try to break this up. They're just very difficult to load uh, if they go more than 10 minutes. So take your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 24 with me, and uh, we're going to flip over there. And I want you to see some things here. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 24, we're going to uh, uh, dovetail scripture with scripture. Matthew chapter number 24, okay? So, now we get to Matthew chapter number 24, and we need to delineate what this is actually talking about, because we're accused, and I've heard things as outlandish as this, you pre-tribbers, you use Matthew 24 to mean the uh, rapture when you want it to, and the second advent when you want it to, <clears throat> and the truth is, I don't want it to mean anything. I know what it means because it only has one meaning, and certainly this is dealing with, uh, going in, in through Matthew chapter 24, this is dealing with the second advent. But I would have you to notice that, uh, that the first part of Matthew 24 is the beginning of the tribulation period. This is the stuff that takes place in the very beginning of the tribulation period. You say, well, how do you know that? <clears throat> well, very simple. I want to read a verse to you, and this is Matthew 24, verse number 15. This is vital and crucial to understanding this study. In verse number 15, it says, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. So Jesus is coming down through in chronological order, listing things that are going to happen. And when he gets to verse 15, he says, now takes place the abomination of desolation. <clears throat> well, the question is, when does that actually take place? And to find that out, hold your finger here, if you would, and we're going to go back to the book of Daniel and Daniel chapter number nine. And in Daniel nine, we find out that that abomination of desolation takes place in the midst of the week. In other words, three and a half years into the, the tribulation period, 1260 days, it's called times, time and a half a time, times two is the totality of the trip. But notice, if you would, verse 27 of Daniel nine. Now he's dealing with these 70 weeks and he's talking about, about the 70th week. And he said, and he, that's Antichrist, verse number 27, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. That's your 70th week begins with that covenant with Israel and Antichrist. He says here, and in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So when Jesus says in verse 15 of Matthew 24, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, this is what he's referencing. Daniel tells us this abomination takes place halfway through the tribulation period. That's very clear by verse number 27 of Daniel chapter 9. Now, you say, but what does that have to do with anything? Well, let me close this video by just pointing this out. And this is going to be real deep theology. And this is kind of tongue in cheek. But I would remind you that uh, verse number five, verse number six, verse number seven, verse number eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14 all come before verse number 15. Now, that's pretty deep right there. My point is this that the things you read prior to verse 15 in Matthew 24 obviously take place prior to, or, or verse number 15, 
take place prior to what it's talking about in verse number 15. This is in chronological order. In fact, it goes all the way through the tribulation. It goes to the gathering of the elect of Israel, to the battle of Armageddon. Then it moves into the judgment of the nations, which takes place uh, prior to the millennial kingdom and Christ uh, assuming his millennial kingdom and initiating that. So everything in this text is uh, in chronological order. Okay, so the video ended right there for some reason, and that was all the video. So I don't know where he was going with that, but yeah, that's interesting the way that that video ended. But here's the thing, okay? Matthew 24, uh, when it talks about uh, there's going to be Antichrist, you know, many are going to come in my name, shall deceive many. That's been going on since the time of Christ. Wars rumors of wars okay that's been going on since the time of christ nation rise against nation famines pestilence earthquakes all these things have been happening since the beginning of time these things are not the wrath of god they are tribulations they are troubles we see um martyrs going on we see people being persecuted and then we see the abomination of desolation. And again, and I, I don't want to get into this because it's just, it's not really relevant, but here's the, the thing is we cannot forget that Matthew 24, the primary interpretation, the primary application, it is judgment on Jerusalem, on their temple. There wouldn't be one stone left upon another. These are the days of vengeance on them because of the blood of the martyrs that they had spilled uh, for from the time of Abel to the blood of Zacharias and all these things that came, Jesus said, on, are going to come on that generation. And so again, I, I still believe we can make an application for the future, but the direct primary interpretation, it was something on Jerusalem for that generation. This is judgment on Jerusalem. None of these things are the supernatural events. Armageddon is not mentioned. Armageddon absolutely is not mentioned in Matthew 24. He keeps saying that. He keeps talking about a gathering to Armageddon. We don't see that in the Bible. We see a gathering together of the elect. Why is that not the rapture? He's using the same language that Paul used in 1 Thessalonians 4, referring to it as the coming of the Lord. So, um, yeah, that video, it just abruptly ended, uh, for some reason. I don't really know what that's all about. I will, um, you know, I, um, I will take a look and make sure, uh, something didn't happen and that we're not missing something from that. Cause I definitely do not want to misrepresent anything, but I, I don't know if he had some kind of technical difficulty, but that is what I downloaded from the YouTube. It was an eight minute, 19 second. Uh, video clip and it looks like the next video he's at a different setting so i don't think it's continued later so i don't know where he was going with that but so far he has done nothing to prove that the first half is god's wrath he's done nothing i have proven that it was not even judgment i showed you that when you know and if he wants to argue with the martyrs in heaven on that and with the words that John wrote in Revelation 6, I don't know what to say about that. He can take that up with them. But those of us who let the words of God form our thinking and not pre-trib catechisms, you know what I say? 
judgment had not fallen yet, even at the fifth seal. I do not believe we see judgment and God's wrath until after the sixth seal, after the sixth seal, when Jesus Christ comes in the clouds and I believe every eye sees him, they, the world is going to mourn when they see him. They are going to know that they are in trouble and the great day of his wrath has come. And then we see, you know, the trumpets and the vials. And what are they doing during those vials? They're blaspheming God. Why? They know who's doing these things to them. They don't think aliens came and, you know, you know, and abducted, you know, a bunch of the population. No, they know where this judgment is coming from and they're not repenting of their evil deeds and their sorceries and their fornications. They're blaspheming God. And you know why? Because God pouring his wrath out on them. It's not to get them to repent. It's judgment. Why? Because they are going to be damned because they did not believe the truth. So, oh man, I was so excited. I was really hoping for something new, a new argument that I hadn't heard before, but it looked like it was the tired old, uh, you know, Jesus is breaking the seals straight out of the pre-trib catechism. And that video got cut off when he was trying to make a point. I, I don't know what happened there. I'd love to have him on the show and say, Hey, what did we miss? Because <laughs> it, 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 you seemed like you were building up to something, but we didn't get anywhere. Absolutely. Nothing was proven to be the wrath of God. So uh, anyway, well, that's all we'll do for today. Uh, we're still going to do two more days. I've got three more videos left and uh, we will cover those over the next two days. But so far, the pre-tribbers have got nothing. And so, so far, he has not descended into the ad hominem name calling, the frustration, crazier heresies. He just, this particular video is just kind of a whole lot of nothing. So anyway... I, I hope you got something out of that and hopefully too, you understand a little bit more of where I am coming from and how I would interpret the seals and the trumpets and vials. The, I think it is biblically wrong to call the seals judgment when on the fifth seal, they are saying, how long dost thou not judge? End of story, not judgments. So anyway, appreciate everybody watching this. Make sure you join us again tomorrow and we'll, uh, we'll see y'all then.